What's going on now? Why are they striking? That's going to put pressure on Netflix for sure. But what would you care to guess they're asking for if you were to give a percentage? They're, these shows don't exist without the writer. They're yes. creating the story. Yes. Welcome to Backseat Directing. Where we talk about movies, TV shows, comics, and more. We're your hosts. Andrew. And Aaron. And we put out new episodes every Monday and Thursday. And on this episode, we're going to talk about the writer's strike, new trailers, and more. Three, two, one. Action. All right, Andrew, there's a lot of new things going on right now in the world of movies and shows, one of which is that the writers of Hollywood are on strike. Yeah, and there's so many things to talk about in like our world of media in Hollywood right now. So just combine all this stuff like into one hodgepodge episode. They could all be their own topic, but there's just too much stuff in the air and we want to get to talk about everything. So Yeah, we even pushed one of our other episodes a little bit further away so we can talk about this stuff uh, since it's, it's relevant and it's going to start impacting the shows and movies that we watch. Yeah, and I, I'm really don't think that we've had a chance to even talk about the writer's strike much on like a personal level. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it for the first time here as we're recording. Me personally, I think that this is something that's really necessary. After kind of learning some firsthand accounts and research people who are in the industry and hearing what they had to say, listen to some other podcasts where, you know, writers who are um, in the union actually spoke on the issues and kind of understanding the nitty gritty of the situation that I'm going to pass along and kind of share if anybody's listening to, to our secondhand version of it. Um, I really support what they have going for them. I think that it's something that's necessary in Hollywood. The last big strike that we had um, was in 2007. And that back, it seems like these issues kind of boil up and these issues that we're having now have been in the pot for a while. They're just in 2020, there wasn't exactly the opportunity to strike. I mean, people couldn't afford to not work. They really didn't even have the opportunity in a lot of instances to stop working because they didn't have projects to work on with everything going on with the pandemic. So um, do you want me to start just by kind of laying some groundwork for the main talking points of the strike and what's going on? Yeah, like what's happening? I know back in 2007, it, the strike lasted, what, like a hundred days, days or something? Or yeah. Something? Yeah. So what's going on now? Why are they striking? Um, and then what, like, how long do we think this is going to go on before Hollywood kind of bends to what their wishes are? What are their wishes? What are they asking for? Okay. So yeah, a, a lot of really good questions. And from what I can tell over history, the average length of these strikes does kind of fit the bill of 2007 of around a hundred days. They tend to last, you know, weeks and months. Um, of the big strikes that I saw in my research, the shortest one I think was two weeks. Mm. Um, so that was kind of the outlier, but the majority of them are, you know, about a hundred days. And the longest one, the longest one went even longer than that, I think six to eight months. So it just, it's hard to predict how long it's going to last, but it seems like based on the trends in history of how long it takes these studios and productions to come to, you know, agreeable terms with the WGA is around a hundred days. And with what we're facing right now, other areas of the industries of entertainment are kind of locking arms with the WGA, which if you don't know, I've been saying that a few times, but it's the Writers Guild. The, so it's the group that represents the writers. Uh, it's the union. And this strike just started on May 2nd of 2023. So as of this recording that we're doing now, it's been going on uh, around 20 days. Mm -hmm. And so we may only be a fifth of the way through it. Could be a lot shorter, could be a lot longer. But like I said, just looking at the trends, we could have a while ahead of us. And studios like, or, or productions like Stranger Things that have actually been, the script has been finished writing, they've agreed to halt production in solidarity with the w WGA. So despite the fact that they could compress on with production, they're standing, you know, alongside the WGA and saying, we're not going to finish this, which is a big deal to a lot of people. It's a, Stranger Things is a huge show and it's a huge property for Netflix. So yeah, that's, that's puts a, a big moneymaker for Netflix. Yeah, so it puts... 
That's going to put pressure on Netflix for yeah. sure. Too. It puts a lot of pressure. And yeah. speaking of Netflix, you asked about the key issues with the strike that's going on. I think that there's a lot of oversimplification in the media, maybe, and a lot that myself before doing a little bit more research, a lot of people don't really understand exactly what they're asking for, exactly what's going on. The outside perception of a strike might just be that people just want more money and it's not always quite that simple. So um, some of the key issues in general bullet point format are issues with residuals, issues with streaming, issues with writer's rooms and uh, opportunities for growth in the field. And the another big industry issue and technology issue is with artificial intelligence. So to kind of key in on what those mean individually is that there's issues with pay and residuals for writers in terms of that ties in with the writer's room issues too, because there's this thing called mini rooms. And basically what's going on in the industry right now um, is that studios are expecting writers to do more workload and to write shows to, to write shows as part of a smaller unit. Uh, so where traditionally a writer's room might have 14 people, nowadays they might have as low as like four to six. Yeah, they're just spreading everything thin. And it it creates a almost an unsafe work environment, you know, like in terms of stress, in terms of quality of product. I mean, I'm sure streaming is a big reason for this kind of thinning out of these teams, you know, because I mean... How many new shows are coming out on Netflix every single week? You know, like that some group has to be writing all of these episodes, all of these original movies. Like that's a lot of stuff that's going around. And if they're asked to do more stuff, but getting compensated the same, like things just don't end up lining up together. Yeah, when, when they made a lot of the current terms in the, the WGA's contract, nobody predicted the way streaming would change the entertainment world that we live in, especially since they weren't in a position to renegotiate in 2020, which the pandemic really launched streaming even further into the stratosphere is like a lot of people's main mode of entertainment. And yeah, like I don't even have cable anymore. Most people don't. It's just I have a, access to a few different streaming services and and that's how we watch TV. But now, but now things are all wonky where the majority of people are consuming media that way. But the residuals, people used to be able to survive off the amount of money in their residuals when a show was aired on... What does residuals mean? So residuals are the payment that people who took part in a project get. It's their percentage of a cut that they get based off ad revenue that is paid towards a project when it's aired on... ABC or these other Fox or these other channels, when they air a movie on FX, the ads that they run in between that movie pay for that ad space. And a portion of that money goes to the the person who wrote the theme song and a person who acted in it and a person who wrote on it and directed it. And now that you have all these projects on streaming, there is that ad revenue is non-existent. The revenue... Yeah, there's no it, more commercials. Yeah. And may, maybe there's on some of these things, if you have Hulu without... If you have Hulu with ads, there's some ad revenue. HBO has ads. But they don't have the same terms for regulating these as they used to for network right. television. So things like Netflix, especially... I mean, even if it is ads, it's definitely much less. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's... it's than it, a, cable TV show. Well, some of those ads they're running are ads for their own service and their own shows. So the, the bare bones of the issue is you can't be a writer and survive off residuals writing for streaming services. And so much of the bulk of work that is out there in existence now is for streaming services. So they are getting really paid pennies to do more work because the writer's rooms are smaller. And then there's less opportunity for entry into the field, for growth in the field, because when you can only hire four writers, you're not taking a chance. You're not hiring these like lower level positions. You're hiring like there's a bunch of positions in a writer room. And like the main basic position is like a staff writer. And you continually pump out episodes of a TV series. Well, now look at a lot of these shows. They've got eight episodes, 13 episodes. That's not a lot of concurrent work. You're getting paid to work on eight to 13 episodes instead of a 24 episode series. So you can't make as much of a living with all these things combined. And there's not even room to break into the field or grow because they don't want to take a chance on some writer. They have four spots to fill, they're going to hire the most seasoned person they can for the job at the best possible rate they can, which means the lowest possible rate they can. Yeah, I've also heard things too, where like the writers aren't having the same opportunities as what they've had in the past to progress up the ladder and like go on site and, you know, kind of see how the show's working. Yeah, they call it on set. 
they call it being uh, being on production, and they they don't. That's the way that you learn to progress into other areas in the field. The way you learn to go from writer to director to producer, you can't learn about production without seeing the ways of production. And that's one of the things that they want to add onto their new contract is nowadays, like maybe one writer can get some small amount of time on production. They want like writers, the WGA wants a writer there for every day of production, a writer, you know, they're not asking for 14 writers. They're not asking for this like superfluous thing, but writers are in a way they're like the, the backbone of the continuity of the story. If they, the director doesn't know what's been written 10 episodes from now on most episodes of television, like people might think of television being very similar to movies, but it's quite different because the director might direct one episode of that show or three. And they might be three episodes that are like completely different ends of the season. The showrunner and the writers are like maintaining the overall, the showrunner maintains overall control of that show the way a director would on a movie. Mm -hmm. And then the director of a show directs that individual episode and the writer has like, whoever's in the writer's room probably has an idea of what happens on episode 10 if you're filming episode one. So they can tell you if you, if you're saying, oh, we don't really have time for this scene, the writer can say, well, that scene is setting up something. Yeah. Yeah, that is important in episode 10, you need that scene. And we're kind of missing these pieces because of the fact that it's cheaper to not pay a writer to be on set all day. And some of the deals they have now are like, you can come on set for an unpaid day. Like that's ridiculous. You're working. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's insane. I don't understand why businesses think that that, that's, that's okay. Cause it's not, (laughs) they're like, this is a favor to you. So you can learn to maybe branch out into producing and stuff like that. But it's, it's more of a favor to the company because now they're able to do their job better. I agree. It's mutually beneficial. Yeah. It gives you a better product, which means more people will sign up for your streaming service or buy cable and continue to watch your show on network TV. And then more uh, businesses pay for the ad space. Like it it benefits everyone here. Um, Andrew, do you know what their demands are? Like, what are they asking for? Are they asking for like 100% of the profits or something? Like why aren't there like needs being met here? Are they being unreasonable? So I don't know if you actually know the number, but what would you care to guess they're asking for if you were to give a percentage? So I've done my research a little bit, so I have an idea what the number is. <laughs> I didn't know if you were just setting me up, but it's shockingly low. It's, so think in your head as an audience member, what you would guess is like a reasonable number and for I somebody think, to fight over. I think it's like of the profits too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So That's my understanding. They're asking for 2%. Two. That's 2% it, of profits to go to the writer's room, which That's, makes this seems <laughs> shockingly low that you would argue that yeah. like, oh, you only want two. Yeah. Okay. Like the person who's afraid you want 25 there. These shows don't exist without the writer. They're yes. creating the story. Yes. It's not I, just the actors show up on set and improv stranger things. I feel like writers just don't get enough credit because I feel like directors get a lot of the spotlight and actors and stuff too. Actors, probably rightfully so, because they're in front of the camera, you know, so like it's obvious to see their work. Directors, they're behind the camera, but they still get a lot of praise. But it's these other positions that like you can't do without. You can't do without the writers to make these stories, Uh, especially with TV shows that are spanning however many episodes a season over how many seasons. And now we're at a level of television where we expect everything to connect, everything to be one continuous story, you know, like Stranger Things or the Daredevil Netflix series or something like that. We want it all to connect. We want these subplot lines and character developments for Time each and universes. every character, the villain, the villain. Yeah, like you can't do all of that without the writers. And like you said, for shows, the director role is a lot different. It's a lot more individualized per episode you know and and a lot of times too like the writers might even direct an episode you know so like and i think that's always best case scenario uh even for movies you know like if the the like the new superman movie that's coming out james gunn's gonna write and direct it i'm pretty sure right like that i feel like is a great way or even the batman that's a great way to make sure what happened on paper happens on the camera and if things have to be changed from what happened on the paper it's somebody who understands how those changes are going to affect the rest of the script the rest of the script and maybe even where they want to go past that script you know like hey like let's do this shot because i kind of want it to mirror something that i've been thinking of in my head for for something that's coming up later 
Yeah. So two percent. I mean, two percent still a lot of money. Let's not. I mean, this is billions of dollars that we're talking about for this Hollywood movie and TV show industry. But but like for one group of people to ask for two percent, like that's not that crazy. We're th- and we're talking about the other kind of snake oil salesman aspect of this is we're talking about the revenue profits from streaming and the way that we talked about ad revenue is very easy ad revenue on network television is very easy to quantify but revenue from a streaming service is much more difficult something we talked about on the show in the past so since there's not ad revenue you're paying them based off what you consider their value to the show to be and they're very cheeky with this information because streaming services like Netflix will 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 rank the top 10 most popular shows on Netflix right on their platform. And then they'll turn around and say to the WGA, how are we supposed to pay you based on viewership? We really don't track that information, which seems like a bold-faced lie. Yeah, you, they have to be tracking everything. Yeah, they're tracking everything. all of it. They just don't release yeah. it. It's limited who knows what the actual num- numbers are. Exactly. I mean, even when we've looked it up, like how are these streaming services making all their money? Like... They have it's to, hard to find. They have how, to quantify it, though. Yeah. Because otherwise, how do they know what shows to cancel and to make five seasons of Stranger Things? Right. And we don't mean to pick on Stranger Things. I'm actually very proud of them for what they're oh, doing. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, it's just the easiest I think example to pull out Stranger of Things because it's a high-level show that a lot of people love. Yeah. Uh, we're Deservedly definitely not so. picking on it because it's doing anything wrong. Yeah, it's but definitely not the case. We haven't even touched on the AI issue. So w- you mentioned their demands. The two percent is one of their demands. Another one of their demands is to have a writer on set for every day of production, I believe. And then another makes, sense. W- makes a lot of sense. Seems like the bare minimum. Can we have someone that does our job at least be <laughs> yeah. there when the job is happening? <laughs> like you? Do you want them to? <laughs> no, just, we can't do that. Just write it in a mini room and then mail it off to <laughs> to the director to be read in a totally separate scenario. But I think one of their demands is also related to the size of the rooms that writers need. They need a certain amount of staff to write a show of a certain length, and that's yes, just that's reasonable. Fair. And then uh, another one of their, the strict one, I believe, is that they want no content to be produced that is from a non-human source. They don't want shows to be written by an AI, which is basically the, seems like the trajectory right now for AI is that they can write the, an AI, you can feed it a bunch of content, right? Content made by a human. So there's an intellectual property issue there. You can feed it you know, adventure stories, you could feed it Indiana Jones and, you know, a bunch of other Spielberg movies. And then it can spit out an adventure script based on, oh, these are the movies that people like. These generated a bunch of money, but sold a bunch of toys, spit out a script. And then what they would do is show that to one human writer who would make edits to it, necessary changes. And then you've got Presto Changer, you've got a Hollywood script like that for a movie they think is basically guaranteed to entertain people. Yeah. And it definitely seems like we're on that trajectory. I don't think we're at that point yet. I don't think uh, AI is not there. Right. Um, it would but be a lot of work. It seems like AI is progressing extremely fast. Technology right changes happen exponentially is what yeah. people sometimes forget. Like, so this is definitely a fear that is uh, justified. Yeah. And to understand what I mean by exponentially, look at the technology changes from 1900 to 1950. And then the technology changes from 1950 to 2000. Yeah. Like, and then from 2000 to, to even just now, now which is yeah. only 23 years. Yeah. Yeah. Insane the amount of technological leaps that we've made. Yeah. Like, like look it, at it in terms of video games. When we were kids, there weren't cell phones as readily available yeah. as, and now no one has it out of their hand. Like well, even right now, you're holding your cell phone in your hand. The size and, and speed of a computer when I was a kid. Oh, compared to what is what is in my pocket every day now like technology will will progress so fast right the they're trying to protect their industry and i think in a way they're also protecting like the artistic soul and integrity of this industry of movies and shows like content should have artistic love and artistic creation behind it it should be from a human i don't i don't want to live in that future where all these all my favorite shows are written by AI. AI. It seems like a lot of things are kind of moving towards AI or like possibly like AI could be taking all these jobs. But then that's going to create a much bigger problem because if all these people aren't working, who's going to be spending all of this money making these companies rich? 
Who's going to be able well, to... Uh, no one is, because yeah. no one's going to have money anymore. You can't afford so to pay for the streaming service. Something's going to break, you know? And that's that's even outside of the movie industry. That's for anything, you know, yeah. like Walmart employees, you know, like just anywhere. Like if everything moves to AI, no one's going to have any money to buy anything. But the cool detail about all of this, aside from all the complaints, these, the, the beautiful thing behind all of these issues is the support the WJ is getting. Because I just saw a clip of uh, like, you know, 50,000 students at a graduation, well, an audience of 50,000, not all students, but cheering, pay your writers. I was, I was just going to bring this up. David I was Zosloff. like, okay, I, I made a little mental note. I was like, yeah. right, after Andrew's done with this point, that's what I want to bring up. And then, that's and, hilarious. And then all the pay your writers. writers. Yeah, awesome. And then all the support from other actors in the industry, other directors showing up with food, showing up to picket alongside the WJ, alongside or alongside the writers, showing their support in it whatever way they can, you know, bringing out, making picket signs, doing what, whatever. And then the other industries, the other unions, the Directors Guild, the Actors Guild, and the Teamsters, which if you don't know what the Teamsters are, they're the people who bring everything to production. They drive the actors onto set. They drive the um, set pieces onto set. They, they, the teamsters have agreed, have, have decided to refuse to cross anywhere there is a WGA picket line. Anytime you put a WGA picket line in front of a production, it's basically going to halt because the, the teamsters aren't bringing the actors and bringing the, you know, actual sets and necessary materials to the production. They can't make the production. So, like, also keeping in mind that in the next two months, the contracts for all three of those teamsters, directors, and actors, all three of those contracts are up too. So we're just going to wait and see what's going to happen to, because all these people are getting shafted in different ways. They're all getting, you know, unfair pay. Directors are getting underpaid. The minimums are unfair for a lot of these professions. The workload's too high. And all these companies, again, they're bringing in billions of dollars. They're, the profits are higher than ever on record. Record, re recorded profits are higher than ever. Recorded pay is not meeting that demand, it's it's at a, like an all-time low for writers. But I think it's cool to think that they've all already locked arms and just wait till these contracts are up because they are going to give hell to entertainment media in order to get what they deserve. And I'm all about supporting it. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. I've always wanted to be a part of like a worker's strike. <laughs> like I just have always wanted to like, you know, stick it to the man, you know, like you don't own me. You don't control yeah. me. Most people want to like, stick it to the man. You can't do this without yeah. me. Most people who aren't the man want to stick it to the man because yeah. like other, like who wants to say, oh, I want to be a good company, man. Like you want, you want to get what you deserve. And that's all they're asking for. It doesn't seem like they're asking for anything unfair. Yeah. 2%. Like, <laughs> especially minimal. when you're like all profits are as high as they have ever been. They are crazy high. But yeah. Um, so we kind of ended that writer's strike there talking about AI. And it's funny because there's this trailer that I saw earlier this week from a movie that is basically like an end of the world kind of movie about AI stuff, AI robots and whatnot. It's called The Creator. So we actually just watched that trailer before we started this episode and it looks fire. Yeah, there's something powerful about picking the right song for your trailer. Yeah. It makes the world of difference. Yeah. Um, so what, what did you think of the trailer? Did you know that this movie was coming out? This movie was Evening? not like was not on, on my radar. Wasn't on my radar at all either. I had no clue this movie existed. And just recently, like we just watched this trailer. So I just saw this trailer like 20, 30 minutes ago. Yeah. And I think that the trailer was really stunning. It reminds me of like, um, like Chappie or um, what's the one district nine mm -hmm. like it reminds me of it has like a a futuristic or a, like a sci-fi look but it has kind of this star wars rustic aesthetic to it like the original trilogy the the kind of rusted over future and i think it looks really good the visually yep. the story looks really interesting i'm always here for the parallel you know the um that like kind of found daughter parallel like yep. the uh the last of us or or, you know, the father, child, Mandalorian, the Any God of War. <laughs> I, I'm always there for that. It looks, it's super rich with emotion. It looks. Cinematography looks fantastic. Dude, he already in the trailer. She's like, they're come, they're, they wanted to kill me. And, I, and I'm like, burn the world. Don't let them get her. This like cute yeah. little girl. But she also has that ex machina look where like every second she's on screen has this, uh, 
she has a uh, special effect nature to her. Like I'm guessing, you know, obviously just simple motion capture stuff because her face is on there. Yeah, but it's, it's funny that you said it kind of looks like Star I say Wars. simple, but uh, it's funny that you say it looks like Star Wars because Edwards, uh, Gareth Edwards, Gareth Edwards directed Rogue One, and he's also the director for the creator. Yeah, I think that it's really cool because he's obviously got this stellar uh, sci-fi experience behind him directing Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I mean, yeah. that's beloved Star Wars project. It looks awesome. I think it's the best looking yeah. Star Wars movie. I agree, and it's a great story. And this movie has John David Washington in it also as a star. And he just looks awesome. I, I know Denzel people Washington's son. Yeah, I know people don't yeah. love Tenet, but I really liked him in Tenet. He brings a lot of physicality to the nature of his roles. He was a, a like a football player. I think he was a collegiate football player. So he's a really physical fit person, good physical actor, and he's got a lot of talent. I mean, talent flows in that bloodline. Yeah. So that's a movie that's kind of on our radar now. Let's see, when does it come out? Um I got you. They not have that on IMDb. I have the page pulled up here, but I don't see the release date. The creator release date, September 29th, 2023. A September release. Yep, yep there it is. I'm, that's one of my, it's jumped to my like maybe top 10 most excited projects this year very quickly with such a quality trailer. The music is like a little haunting, a little creepy. Mm -hmm. uh, the little girl looks super, super cool. And I'm excited for that relationship dynamic. Plus like, like you said, AI, you know, rising interest in that topic. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited for that one, too. Uh, another trailer that just dropped that we just did an episode on for a live trailer reaction is the Mission Impossible Rogue One uh, Part 1. Sorry. Uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part dead 1. Dead Reckoning. Got there it. we go. Rogue One. It's the <laughs> Star Wars movie. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol uh, yeah. Fallout Dead Reckoning Part 1. <laughs> Uh, that just dropped, so we did an episode reaction to that. That trailer looks fire. God, and then that's cool. Fast Ten just came out in theaters as well. Um, those trailer, that trailer kind of looked like. That trailer looked really good. It it looked interesting. I thought it was a good trailer. The motorcycle flip, the uh, the cool way they used that the was the trailer where we we're like, did they just implant her into? <laughs> Or, yeah, it's some crazy. Their brains, like what? At least they're not. At least they're not in space. <laughs> that's going sci-fi, but yeah. That movie opened up to a whopping 300-something-odd million opening weekend. Okay, so the reason Andrew brings that up is because it's part of our box office draft. So at the very beginning of this year, before any movies came out, we drafted... Five movies each. ...team of five, and whoever at the end of the year made the most money wins. I'm trying to see what episode that was so we get the, the look at the it. joy of competing with each other back and forth all year just basically shit talking each other a year long for as our movies come out we get to looks like it was episode 50 so you can head back to that episode to watch which that was fun each team that was a lot of fun it's a lot of fun because it's like continuing yeah it's it's keeps coming up like and you're obviously having episode. a lot of fun i'm having a blast right now <laughs> and the reason i'm having a blast is because mario was on my team, baby, is over here. Guess how much it brought in? I'll tell you. 50 right, bucks? I'll, I'll tell you. $1.2.5 billion. Yeah, just just crossed over. I think it's the third highest grossing animated movie of all time. That's crazy. I, I thought it was going to do good, but I feel like that's a little Superseded expectations. Expected. Nobody could have predicted that. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody could have predicted that accurately. So I did put predictions on my movies when I was creating my research for the box office. Yeah, would you have draft? that one at 800 million? I had Mario, which I drafted in my third place spot. You lucky son And it bitch. might bring me in the most amount of money. I had it going at 700 to 900 million. So it exceeded that by four, 500 million, which is less money than uh last weekend ant-man made last weekend it came in third in the box office so it's still yeah. it's still bringing in like i think last weekend it brought in three to five million dollars so it's still yeah. bringing in money so i also have guardians on my list which that brought in as of right now uh again right now it's may 22nd that brought in 660.500 million dollars um with like a two or three weekend run yeah so that brings my total right now to $1.9 billion. Andrew, what's your total right now? So I had 
Uh, first, I had the astounding Ant Man come out uh, and absolutely decimate the box office with a weak 475 million, almost 476 to be fair. Um, after that, um, we had Fast Ten come out, which to be fair, just had just came out, just came out, yeah, just had one weekend one so weekend. far, and it's Monday today, and. It has already made $318,500,000. So it's a super stellar opening weekend. The movie did really, really well overseas. Like Bring, only overseas here, is yeah. where it did well. <laughs> it only made $67 million domestic. But it brings my total up to $794,480,000. Uh, so you got a lot of ground to make I up. got a lot of ground to make up, but... Fast and the Furious can still do a lot of heavy lifting for me. It's, it really a, it's a weekend behind your movie. It really can. And... I, my upcoming movies are also kind of rock stars because I still have uh, Spider-Verse to come out in a couple weeks, Mission Impossible to come out, and then I have Barbie to come out as well. So maybe competition breeds success and Barbie carries my team home. We'll see. No, I, I, as the year has gone, um, I've definitely gotten more and more nervous about my last two picks, which are the Marvels and Aquaman. Not heard good things about Aquaman. Um but, man, Jason Momoa puts people in the seats. I feel pretty strong not picking Indiana Jones, but I feel a little nervous that I didn't pick The Flash. I wish I could have subbed out Ant-Man for The Flash, but who would have known Ant-Man would do such trash numbers? Yeah. I wish I could have had The Flash instead there. And, like, Ant-Man, or sorry, uh, The Flash has a lot of hype going behind it right now. And if I didn't pick the Ant-Man... Just because there's a lot of hype doesn't mean it's as good as everyone says it is. Because people are making crazy claims. Like Tom Cruise saying it's the best superhero movie ever yeah. made. Like, people are making a lot of crazy claims, and Ezra Miller can get arrested tomorrow. <laughs> you know, and they pulled the, the whole thing. I just think like, maybe if knows? I maybe if I hadn't picked Ant-Man, then maybe you would have picked it. And that would have... I, I think I would have. Yeah. It was on my list. Yeah, that would have been um, so, so much safer. Yeah. I Let's see. On my predictions, I had... Um... In my order, I wanted Guardians, Little Mermaid, Mario, Mission Impossible, Ant-Man. Should have trusted my so guy. That was my trailer was mid. My order. Um, so how far are you ahead of me right now? You have 180, 1,800,000,000? 900. Yeah. So quite a ways away. Um, Guardians is still in the theaters, so I think it could possibly bring in 200, maybe 300 more. Um, in the next few weeks, um, I think it had a lot of high reviews, you know, especially as of how not good Ant Man was. Well, Fast Ten I think had a bigger opening than Guardians, well, I mean, didn't it? I think so because it's it's already halfway there, and it's only been one weekend for them. Um, it tends to bottom off after a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, when you have like movies that are like high action movies with little bit of dialogue or very simple dialogue like where every other word is family it does really well overseas <laughs> they're like i don't even have to speak english i just get to watch dom toretto backflip into a somersault kick 15 guys in the face save the world man it's crazy these movies are out of control man um hey. i'm trying to pull up guardians right now you can't did opening week you can't take the heat get out the kitchen i thought i remember the number being 280 million for their opening weekend very I impressive think, opening weekend i think you're right um i'm almost there opening weekend i only see the opening weekend for the u.s yeah everyone, everyone was posting domestic which was a much better domestic than fast 10 hope it continues doing well in overseas market guys let us know in the comments who you think is going to win the box office draft yeah Andrew, you you might have a chance. I'm praying because Ant Man kicked me in the nuts, dude. That was rough. You need Barbie to do really well. Speaking of getting kicked in the nuts, how come HBO Max keeps doing it to themselves? <laughs> this is so dumb, man. Like they literally went from like the top two, maybe even the top streaming service, and now they're like quickly going to the bottom. They're like. They're dead, man. They're gone. I still they're wouldn't. Like, I there's wouldn't. Paramount, and then there's, there's then there's whale poo. Yeah, and then there's HBO Max. Max. No, it's just Max now. Excuse me, excuse which me. Which is so dumb, right? Like, why not just call it HBO? So they're they're putting out a new app that you 
is if you look it up, it still says coming soon because it's not out yet. But they're instead of changing the name of the HBO Max app to Max, they're putting out a new app called Max. That's so dumb because now all the people who have HBO Max have to go out of their way to download a separate app. People like me. Yeah. And like like TVs, you know, like smart TVs and stuff, they have to like develop those apps or whatever. So we might not get that app right away on the TV. On top of all that, there's a recent IndieWire article that says HBO Max has dumped 87 projects off their platform. And I've never really understood the idea of dump, unless you have a licensing agreement with another property that's coming to an end. Why ever, I, they say, I believe they say it's in the name of like curating and Disney's doing the same thing. They're like curating their platform, like things that are getting low views are not doing well. They're dumping off. So it's not cluttered, but just don't put it on the home screen. If you search it and it's still there for whatever small group of people that still want to watch it, it's still beneficial to them. I mean, what are they running out of hard drive space? Like why dump 87 titles? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like everything about this move doesn't make sense. And I guess the reason that they did it is because they're like merging was it discovery warner brothers discovery yeah so they're they're merging things together but why get rid of the hbo max or the hbo name that's what's recognizable max isn't recognizable hbo has been around for so long and it's always been associated with like top of the line movies and shows you know like they were the fourth runner they were the top of the game like back when I was still like watching cable and stuff, the only extra streaming service people would have would be like HBO and Stars. Dude, Game of Thrones, The Wire, The Sopranos, like yeah, like and it's like, hey, you want to watch a good show? And it's like, yeah, what is it? They're like, it's blah blah blah. It's on HBO, and I'm like, oh well, I'm poor, so I can't watch that show. It must be really good. And I always thought of this thing as like, oh, like HBO, ah. and now it's Max. So when you search Max, how many things on Google come up? A, a million a things. A billion things? I mean, they're gonna, I, like Max what? I have to imagine they had to pay somebody else who had the app name Max for the rights to that. Yeah. To take that out from under them. It couldn't, couldn't have been free just, you know, hanging out yeah. there. So it does come up first right now when you search it, which I'm sure they had to pay a pretty penny to get it that to way. To Google, yeah. Um, but... When you type in HBO, HBO is the only thing that comes up <laughs> when you're searching for that. You know, like they also used to have HBO Go. Like this has been a this has been a long road for them because they used to have HBO Go and they used to have DC Universe, which DC Universe was a platform that just had all DC content. You could read some comics on there. It had all their animated movies, shows, live action movies, and then they melded it together. And we had HBO Max, and now it's that has like Studio Ghibli. DC projects, all this kind of stuff. And like, they just keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand, man. I really don't get it. Um, Paramount was my least favorite. And I feel like this is slowly <laughs> getting there. Paramount more so, but just because of like the interface. I'm still happy with HBO or Max because of the content. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just, they're getting messy, but we, we so our last topic is still related to HBO. So we want to talk about some of the latest news with DC. They have some casting news that's been coming out. Um, are are you excited? How are you feeling? Because um, there's not there's news for what Creature Commandos and for Superman Legacy. Yeah, I I feel like I'm kind of impartial. Um, I don't. That wasn't one of the options. Oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of impartial. It's kind of like, oh, Robert Pattinson is the Batman. It's like, okay, I'm excited to see what he does with it, but I'm not necessarily jumping out of my seat. You know, I don't really know what to expect. You um, mean that's how you felt at that time, but now we love Robert Pattinson as the Batman. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So that's how <laughs> just I- Just checking. That's how I feel now <laughs> about kind of these casting options that are coming out. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll-, I'll Wait to reserve judgment. Yeah, exactly. Um, what, what do you think? Who's who's uh, rumored to be who? So first of all, we'll start Superman Legacy is what's most popular. Uh, so there's talks for um, what's this gentleman's name? Keeps evading me. Okay, so there's talks for See, that's da what I mean. Not jumping out of our <laughs> seats. Ne here. Never heard of this guy. Yeah. Until now, uh, David Cornsweet 
uh, in talks to play Superman. And then there's talks for Nicholas Holt to potentially be Superman or Lex Luthor. We don't really know what the conversations are behind closed doors. I feel like it's some of the things I've been looking up recently. It's all rumors, but seems to be leaning more towards Lex Luthor. He's a really phenomenal actor um, who's kind of missed out on the turn for a lot of big roles like Batman included. Mm -hmm. So I think you do. He's a really skilled person. I mean, hopefully he put a good turn on Lex Luthor. This uh, corn sweat guy has the look for Superman. So we'll see what ends up being the truth. Um, and then there's some rumored casting for Lois Lane as well. Um, let me see if I can find the name here. It's not Margot Robbie, right? She Emma Mackey. Been, okay. Because she was... Margot Robbie's been rumored to be in the Fantastic Four, right? Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Rumored as uh, Sue Storm. Mm-hmm. All these rumors flying about. We need some freaking announcements. I know. But the rumors for Superman have at some points included Jacob Elordi. I believe he denied that rumor. Um, that's included Tom Brittany, Andrew Richardson, two people I haven't heard of. <laughs> um, and then for Lois Lane, Emma Mackey, Rachel uh, Brosnahan, Phoebe Dinever, and uh, Samara Weaving. I think it's kind of smart to cast people that maybe aren't household names. You know, that way... Let them grow into the role. Let them make it their own. Don't, right. No preconceived notions. Right, exactly. And, like, everyone really loved the casting before of Superman, you know, being Henry Cavill, us included. So, like, it'll be hard to fill those shoes. And I think if they're starting with, like, kind of, like, a clean slate, you know, to where they're kind of maybe flying under the radar and maybe people are feeling how maybe me and you are feeling kind of neutral about it, that when we go and watch the movie, we'll be blown away. Yeah. We we do have actual confirmed castings for Creature Commandos, though, which is the animated show for... Uh, that's one of the things that's going to kind of kick off the Gods and Monsters, or this first saga for James Gunn's DCU. And Creature Commandos is one of those animated projects, but James Gunn also was quoted saying that animated and live action are going to cross over. So we'll see what happens. But the star of the show seems to be uh, Frank Grillo as Rick Flagg Sr. If you don't recognize the name Frank Grillo, he's Crossbones uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. David Arbor is uh, Eric Frankenstein. And we all know David Arbor as Hop or Hopper from uh, Stranger Things. He's also Hellboy. Uh, Indira Varma is... Uh, She's Bride, which seems to be, this character seems to be based off Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, Alan Tudjik is Dr. Phosphorus, which Alan Tudjik is this like, he's a really funny and talented actor. He has a, a TV show, um, what's it called? Like the, where he's an alien. What's that called? I can't recall. But he has a, like a new TV, a newer TV series where he's an alien. Um, and people will recognize him if they saw his face. Maria Bakalova is Princess uh, Ilana Rustovic. Hope I'm pronouncing that name right. But she... Heard it both ways. <laughs> um, I personally know her most from voicing Cosmo in the Guardians movie <laughs> and the holiday special. Uh, but she has made a name for herself as an actress in recent years. Uh, Sean Gunn is going to be playing both uh, G.I. Robot and Weasel, who's reprising his role as Weasel in the animated format, which I think we saw him come back to life at the end of The Suicide Squad. Zoe Chow is Nina Mazursky. And then Steve Agee will be returning as Johnny Conomos. If you watch Peacemaker, you know Johnny Conomos, you know Steve Agee and um, Sean Gunn are both staples that are always appear in James Gunn's projects. I'm intrigued. Um, I don't know much about this story, you know. Um, I th I think it's interesting that they're starting the universe off with an animated... Uh, is it a movie or a series? Do we know? It's a series. I believe it's an animated series. Okay. So that's an interesting way to kind of start off your new cinematic universe, you know? Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm down for it. I think a lot of people might skip on it, which is unfortunate because it is animated it's a tv show it's also on max and that's going to be hard to find because it's max instead of hbo i like the fact <laughs> that it's going to cross back and forth over like it inspires me like to I have hope it does interest in this unique uh, concept yeah i like it and it's i've seen some interviews with frank uh what's his last name grillo grillo talking about it and he seems pretty excited to be a part of dc every interview that i saw he wasn't like announcing like what role he was playing yet. keeping it on in the sleeve yeah but he seemed like pretty excited and i don't think he would sign up for a role that's 
going to be small. You know, yeah. I think he definitely wants to ready for the big time. Kind of one up crossbones, you know, and maybe kind of stick it to Marvel a little bit because it seemed like he was a little. He wanted a little more development from Crossbones, it seemed like, you know, which I feel like every actor in their role, that's like a, I don't want to say side character, but a side character, you know, like they want more development of their character, which is totally understandable. They're putting in a lot of blood, sweat and tears into developing that character. It might be hard to tell too when you're signing onto a Marvel project because they are signing multi-movie deals, which can be misleading. And then also some of these people who have a small role like Black Widow, in Iron Man 2 go on to be a humongous part of the franchise and then a right. crossbones is not the same thing. He maybe thought that he had a bigger villain role coming up. Yeah, so I, I don't think he would sign on to a DC project without it being something that's reoccurring, something that's supposed to make a big impact. Maybe I'm wrong, but he seemed pretty excited for it. So if he's excited, I'm excited. I like how they all look like they could play the characters in live action already. Like looking at pictures of them, that's really, really exciting. Right, especially if they're supposed to be crossing over into live action. That's yeah. important. And that means the animation will probably look like them, which is really cool. Well, because you know James Gunn's not just going to want to CGI them and do a voiceover. So he made those castings with that Intention. in mind. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, what do you think of the uh, Reed Richards rumors of... Adam Driver? Adam Driver. I'd really rather it wasn't. <laughs> That's funny. Care to elaborate? Maybe it'll surprise me, but um, I like Adam Driver. I think he's a good actor. I think he's very talented. Haven't seen as much of his movies as I'd like to make like a better judgment, but I just he don't like him as Reed Richards. Guy, right? Yeah, he, than, yeah, like maybe the smartest guy in the room. He, yeah, he seems like he can play a tough guy and also play the emotional vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen like, like you said, I haven't seen him play like a nerd or a genius. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see somebody maybe with a little bit more of a traditional kind of nerdy look. You know, I think his frame is a little large and wide. Um, I'd like a little bit scrawnier reach, Reed Richards if possible. Krasinski. That's not my pick for Reed Richards either. I think I don't think he has the look at all. I think he kind of fits it. He's a little bit bigger, but that's never who I have been no. a supporter. That's never who I wanted. I like the guy who played him back in the day, back in the Fox movies. Yeah, I think I we, thought he somebody he was great too. I feel like he kind of resembles John though a little bit. I didn't see that at no. all. John John Krasinski looks very like, especially after playing He's Jack Ryan. Bigger, I think he looks sure. very large. He's very handsome. I don't think he looks like like. But I, is Reed Richards traditionally not handsome? I, don't think he's traditionally I feel like he ugly. is handsome. He should look like he could have gotten picked on in high school. Is how like I want, you? how I want. Yeah, <laughs> like like yeah, you're like <laughs> you're decent looking, but like the guy with the laptop definitely got picked, picked on in school. high school. <laughs> oh yeah, we got a little shout out to shout one out to of our, our previous comments that we've gotten on a video. Shout out to our favorite commenter of all time. <laughs> uh, Andrew's not salty at all, by the way. We, those those comments just roll off like raindrops you know clearly we never think about them again yeah <laughs> <laughs> they don't hurt us at all speaking of we can close out this episode with some comments since we're bringing it up i actually have some good ones yeah you got some ones i got right. positive ones right here oh sh no you don't yes I you're do. making these up right now this is from our from our boy uh michael pyle um who has left us a few comments on our episodes that we appreciate um and is this on youtube yep going off youtube on our full episodes or is it off of a short it's on a full episode all right let's see so it. this comment is from our best action hero battle royale episode that was a fun episode go back and check it out if you haven't seen it michael said y'all make me start these convos with friends and point them and point them to your channel so let's go if you're not like michael get like michael pointing yeah. us out to your friends and family it does a huge help to the show and it's cool to think that people are having these conversations back at home with their friends like because we had this conversation somewhere and we wanted to have fun so yeah that, and we like that's that kind of why we started this in the first place you know because we were like talking about movies and stuff all the time and we're like hey like Maybe some other people would want to join in on the conversation, you know, like that's what we like to do with the other podcasts and stuff that we listen to. So that's really cool that people are enjoying it enough yeah. to talk about it outside of just watching the episodes. And we're trying uh, to shout out these comments on the show as well now. So if you have the time to comment on these pages, we'll we'll interact with you on the show, which I think is a lot of fun because Michael goes on to say, but you got espionage way. Oh, maybe some context for this. Okay, episode yeah, first. So on this episode which it is episode 87 we 
talked about the best action star out of John Wick versus Ethan Hunt versus James Bond versus uh, Jason Bourne. And we came up with a few categories and we ranked them in order of best to least. Yeah. I, I don't want to say worst because we thought they were still skilled in that category, but we thought the other ones were better. Yeah. So we ranked them in the order of who we think would win this category. And one of the categories was espionage. So he went on to say, but you got espionage way wrong. We have to take them the way they were written and presented, not what they could do with more time, money, backing. IMO, we see Ethan as the most successful spy, maybe Bond next, then Bourne. If you got one mission to use espionage to save the world and they are deployed just as we see them in the movies, what's your rank then? Feels like the barbershop talk of last shot in the game, seven of the NBA finals, who gets the ball? Like, So he's saying like, He's talking about what I was saying in that episode, which I was saying, like, Bourne. Jason Bourne yeah. can get more done with less. And I'm talking about how if he had the opportunity to the access to the things that Hunt has, then he could do way more than Hunt. And I was I think saying, he's making a fair point. I was saying, basically, he's, like, backing me yeah. up here a little bit. I was saying, like, you can do, if you do more with more, you're doing more. And we haven't seen Jason Bourne do more with more, but we've seen Ethan Hunt do so. So let's just give him the ball, like he's saying. He's he's and he's execute this mission. So that question is it boils down to like alien, the the Martians come down to Earth. They got the death beam pointed at Earth. Who who are you handing the ball to? Yeah, I'm handing the ball to Jason Bourne. And despite yeah, and, the fact that I see this point, is all what things, is he gonna do? All he's things, gonna go and attack this mission. I'm saying just his gun. And, all things considered and his equal. Smarts, like, all things considered equal. I'm giving it to Jason Bourne. And in reference to your specific question, equal. all things not equal. Fine, I'll give it to Ethan Hunt. And that's what we're talking about, how their characters are written. It's tough, you can't though. Just rewrite the characters. It's tough, though. I, yeah. I mean, Bond, like he said, Bond a close second. I guess in these conditions, based on what they have, Bond just has so many more tools. Yeah. And then and then Wick is, like, not the guy for espionage. He's the guy for blasting heads <laughs> off shoulders. Literally everyone knows who it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's jo John Wick. <laughs> you working again? <laughs> Baba Yaga. But yeah, thank you, I'm Michael. I'm thinking I'm back. Thank you, Michael. I, I seriously do appreciate every one of the comments that you've made. So I'm glad to have you uh, listening to the show. Yeah, and that's a that's cool, too, that he's sharing it with friends. I think that helps the show out a lot, you know, to, to reach new people. Uh, so if Well, because it'd be cool to have people and their friends, like, both in the comments. And, like, if we yeah. disagree, I'll argue with your whole friend group. Like, let's Maybe do it. Maybe we have someone on the show one day from the comments and we hash out a topic. That would be a great idea. Like, if we've done giveaways before to do, like, a random have somebody on the show. You know, like, yeah. comment on this. We'll have you on the show, whether it's through Zoom, if, you know, yeah. you're not local. That'd be a lot of fun. I mean, we're, we're trying to think of, like, new ways to kind of take the show to the next level. We got some things in the works. And that might be one of the things to add to the list. In that case, I'd say we even let him pick the topic, too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe we like go back and rehash a topic we've already talked about and uh, kind of see a new perspective of that topic. That'd be really cool. But yeah, we post new episodes every Monday and Thursday on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. That's where you see the full episodes. And then we post clips and other uh, movie and show comic related things on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube shorts every single day. So you can comment on those and interact with us and maybe even get some movie news, kind of like from today's episode. So hopefully you guys learned something. Hopefully you guys are having fun. And that's, that's a wrap. wrap.